I'm Kimberly C. Paul. As I travel throughout each state, I realize that death is just a moment. It is how we live until that moment that matters. Finding connection with friends, family, and complete strangers. Journey with me. This is the Live Well, Die Well Tour. I'm so happy to be speaking with one of my premier sponsors today, who, if it wasn't for you guys supporting what I do in this crazy Live Well, Die Well tour, I would probably wouldn't be possible. Um, but before, yeah, before we talk about your involvement with my tour, I really wanted to talk about you. And, and because you've been such a cheerleader of mine since the beginning, and I wanted, I wanted my audience to learn about how you became involved with Cabot Cheese and how are you, why are you so passionate about what you're doing? I joined Cabot almost 31 years ago. Um, they were almost bankrupt and I'd come from Manhattan and San Francisco, married a Vermonter, went to work for this tiny co-op and uh, we started one foot in front of the other with absolutely no marketing. Um, and we won within two years world's, now we actually won us best cheddar and it put us on the map and, we're now almost a billion-dollar company uh, owned by dairy farm families, and we sell our product throughout the country. Now, when I say a billion dollars, just remember it's a dairy farmer company, so 98% of our costs go back to our um, to the cost of goods, and the rest goes to selling them, just so you know. billion sounds like so much to me, considering we were almost bankrupt. <laughs> Tell me about that co-op because that's a different way uh, how a business is running these days. And that's unique for Cabot when you have farmers pretty much owning you. So tell me a little bit about how that works. Sure, Kimberly. The the joy is it's it's their product. It's their milk going into our products. They are the board of directors. All 100% of the profits go to them. Um, they have an assured market for their milk. And it's, it's a, and for our, for the employees, it's a very symbiotic relationship. We have such pride working for them. Um, it's been my mission. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a kid of the 60s, and I, I can't tell you what it means to have such purpose in my life to keeping farmers farming. Um, it's, been, it's been an honor. But, but everything we've done to grow the brand um, in these last 30 years has been, during my, my tenure as head of marketing, has been to really reflect their values in our program and their values in our any marketing. So it's not just in the communities in which they farm, but it's also in the communities where we sell their cheese. We we want to honor volunteers. We want to speak to subjects that that impact lives. And I'm pretty sure death impacts every consumer of Cabot product. I don't know about other cheese, but <laughs> I know it does uh, for Cabot product. Oh, I love that. Um, but also, you know, it's interesting that, you know, both my grandfathers were farmers. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's interesting that life and death does happen on a farm. It does, and 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 it ha and you guys talk farmers talk about life and death all the time. It's it's a, you know, I don't know if you've ever checked our website, Kimberly, but there's a a section under our community, and and I had written a book years ago answering. Uh, a young 
child that was in my neighborhood, her questions about death, her mother said, well, you're a hospice volunteer. You, can you talk to my daughter? She's very afraid about death. And I said, happy to. And this was, this was long before start the conversation and death over dinner. I think people are beginning to get a little more comfortable talking about dying. But this young lady, what, what it started was, um, I showed it to some of the farm families and the women said, oh yeah, you know, I talk to my kids all the time about Grammy dying, meaning themselves. <laughs> and, you know, their favorite calf dies or they have to kill the chicken for dinner. I mean, it's not life and death are daily on the farm as you have experienced. But for what I realized is early on that we could touch people at that point of need in a way that was supportive. And and that was simply bringing attention to the people who were serving hospice. So we started by just getting a software program into hospices up and down the East Coast so that people my age and still working could use the computer to sign up to volunteer as opposed to phone calls, which is how some of these tiny hospices were trying to get volunteers. Wildly inefficient. Anyway, so we started doing that, and then we started giving cheese, and then you came along. We read about you. I always track death, <laughs> um, and I I love that you were willing to just get in an RV, quit your role, r- write that really cool book, um, and start spreading the gospel, as it were. So mm. I'm really proud of you. No, thank you. Well, I'm proud to have Cabot Cheese of course, on my RV and the support of what you guys have done for me. But most importantly, I you guys supply me with cheese along this whole journey. And <laughs> People have to be, it has to be a chuckle, huh? They probably go, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm telling you, I mean, the, the seriously cheddar, sharp cheddar, man, I, I could eat that every hour of every day. It's, it's so good. And what makes me feel good is, A, I'm supporting those who support me, but I'm supporting that local farmer. And that's really important to me, um, which is awesome. But you guys have done a lot more work in the end of life industry. Yep. Tell me a little bit about what Cabot is doing um, to enhance end of life services. You guys started off with the volunteer software, but you guys have done so much more too. So talk to me a little bit about that. Well, we actually, before the software, um, we actually sponsored a fellow who wrote Last Rites, really uh, helping rescue people from the end-of-life care they were getting, Last Rites by Stephen Kiernan. And when we would go to different communities along the East Coast, or we, we had what we call VIP parties, we would invite uh, people that had contacted us by email or, at that point, mail, to come to a party, meet some of the farmers. Well, while we were doing that in Baltimore and um Florida and and different places, Atlanta, we would send him in to talk to uh, doctors about what the nurses knew, which was palliative care, that that we really have to get people engaged in signing, um, uh, making sure they had an advocate that, that, that the family had talked about how much uh, intervention was wanted so that Aunt Sally didn't rush in at the last minute and say, no, don't spare any expense to keep Grammy alive when Grammy doesn't want to be here if she can't take care of herself. Exactly. So it was, so Stephen's conversation there, this is late, not eight, this is late, I don't know when his book came out, it's all a blur, <laughs> maybe <it's> 10 <laughs> years ago, 12 years ago. 
So it started there. Then the farmers, the sales guys I know were really repulsed that we were talking about death. Um, but the farmers all stood up for it. And they said, as long as it wasn't, we're not talking death with dignity. We're not talking any of those end life issues. We're talking about living until you die and living well. And so the culmination of this uh, two decades of working in uh, death and dying um, has been the creation of an end-of-life certification program at the University of Vermont Medical School um, so that people who want to help, you know, more than the hospice volunteer, you know, which in Vermont is 10 weeks and three hours a week and, you know, psychotherapy, it's just amazing. Right. Um, you, you, can, you can learn about dying for yourself, for your family, but, but have this end-of-life care death doula certification First one affiliated with a with a medical school that's available to anybody. It's not, and and we have now graduated over four hundred people for something that they didn't think was even going to be popular. <laughs> right, and now it's a a national movement. It's a huge movement. You know, you've got to. There used to be. I remember because when I served as my hospice coaches. Um, primary caregiver, I, I moved, moved in for a year into her home and because she was a saint to me. Uh, she was a, a bio um, ethicist, if you will. She was, she founded the importance between gut health and uh, teeth. And she was a former street urchin that was taken in by nuns, became a nun and, you know, really just took care of herself. And here she was 20 years, a hospice volunteer doing all the data entry on the hours. I mean, she was my inspiration for a system, but so the least I could do is serve her in the last year of her life. But in doing that service, I realized there's limits to what hospice team has time to do. And there's times through the night where, you know, she couldn't afford somebody to stay with her. Um, and, and there's just, there was a missing gap in all my training. And I went looking at that point, there were a couple of people who claimed they were death doulas. I can remember that language. And by then death over dinner had come along, um, with, uh, the Ted talk and, uh, Linda Goodman start the conversation and the conversation org. But I feel like I've been witness to just a rising up, particularly among women, particularly among nurses of saying, um, we've really got to let people make their choices long before they have no choice and help them make it really clear. You're not going to avoid dying. You might as well have a say in the subject. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you know, it, this this whole death doula is a national movement, and I think Vermont has played a vital, not only Vermont, but Cabot Cheese in, in making that happen in your area, but also being a, a part of the larger national push. But there's so many people, so many states that do not know what death doulas are. Can you help better understand uh, my listeners help them better understand what is a death doula and what do they do? From my perspective, having taken the UVM course, even though you know it was something we created, uh, I, I, I really urge you to make that a key question you ask Francesca Arnoldy because she took I took every online course you could have, um, anything that said uh, end of life care. And for me, it was so patently obvious that we put all this attention on birth doulas, that death doula is a, it's just a natural celebration of somebody's life, and that we treat it with such sorrow is really does not 
to me, as long as the person's around or alive, afford the reverence of a life well-lived or uh, the relief for a life that, that doulas provide to birthing mothers, why can't we do that, too, for exiting those that are dying? And the doula serves the humble role. It's not a medical. You're not, you, could, you could be a primary caregiver, as I was, and be authorized to administer meds, but that is not your, you're not trained or certified in that. But you're there to clean, listen, hold space. Um, the Buddhists have been particularly good about that. Wake at the Bedside, there's so many incredible books that now are part of the, for me, the common culture. But doulas are there, as I sit vigil, I talk to the person and that is no longer conscious, apparently, but people are there until they're not there. They are there so long. And just to be there for them, with them, afford the family time to go rest. Sometimes people do not want to die when family's in the room. I can't tell you how many times coming into a room in the middle of the night I and make the son who's driven all night to get there, make him go take a nap, and mom will look straight at me, take a deep breath, and die. Just sort of grateful that she doesn't want to do that in front of her son. Well, everybody's – and that's, that's the space a doula holds, which is – I am so, I am here for you. I feel joy about what you're going through. It's a, it's an honor to be here with you. And, and that's such a remedial explanation, but there's so much that the doula serves that's emotional support to the individual going through the dying process and, and uh, making sure that they're looked at for clean, comfortable, even if they're not conscious. And you know, that's so important because Sometimes we, uh, individuals who aren't faced with a serious illness yet, um, we tend to look away. Um, and I, that's where, you know, this, uh-huh. whole, you know what I mean? It's, it's like, this is where I want this whole live well, die well tour that I'm on is to encourage people to show up and not look away. Yes, it's uncomfortable, but you know what, when you show up for another human being, sometimes you just don't have to say anything except I'm here, I'm here. Okay, huge, wonderful point. And there, and there, and let's not be naive, right? Not all deaths are pleasant. No. Um, somebody with ALS or a serious lung disease, it can be agony. But you, who are not emotionally engaged the way a family member is, can be the strength for a few minutes to get through this. I love it. And be there. Yeah. And it's probably the the most, you know, when 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 I'm working with, um, individuals facing end of life and on the edge of death, you know, you, you meet individuals that are, their ego is stripped yeah. and they, when they're able to talk to you, they are providing such clear vulnerability. Um, and that's where I found the life lessons that I experienced and wrote in my book, Bridging the Gap. And that's why it's so important for me to share these life lessons because, you know, death is just a moment. Like you said earlier, I mean, we're even dying people are living. And I think that we forget that. Um, and we just categorize people like, oh, you're dying. Oh, well, bye. And we don't realize that they still have great quality and, and reverence. And we need to honor that and be and be present with those individuals as they transition. If we're lucky, the, the hardest deaths in the world, and this is still a doula role, or is that hideous accident. Hmm. 
Um, one of the great Jewish traditions to sit Shiva mm. to me is, um, and I'm, and I'm a Catholic, so I don't, I'm not coming from knowing this really well, but one of the things I naturally did as a friend was I would sit Shiva with a friend who lost a child or, or a, a, a spouse suddenly and just be there for every morning until it was sundown to answer the door, make the tea, no words, no words. Um, as people shared memories, helping orchestrate who's in, how much time the individual can take. So it's not just the dying, it's the ones that are left behind yeah. that, that have such needs too. Absolutely. And, and how we die is how people are going to grieve us. And, and sometimes, you know, when it's a tragic accident, people grieve so much more and they need yeah, so it's much horrible. more yeah. 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 So tell me why is Cabot cheese in this grand adventure of mine called live well, die well tour. Why did you as the senior marketing person working for our organization for 30 years, suddenly think this would be something cool for Cabot cheese to do? Cause this is the question that I'm being asked now. Of course I'm like, Hey, you know, Cabot cheese is Cabot cheese. I want Cabot cheese. You want Cabot cheese. And they're really you know, involved in the death doula movement and, and death and life. Um, but I really would love to hear kind of your plug of, of why is this so important for Cabot Cheese to be involved with? Anything I say probably is going to sound flip, but I am so proud of our farmers and what they, how they have chosen to live their lives how they live generation after generation, sometimes on the same land for the most part, that they have committed to family by their very being. In other words, family and and community and volunteering in their communities. If we can take the genetics, say, of a cow, and you, you invest a lot in impregnating that, that cow with the right genetics, I'm simply saying it's the other end of our family spectrum. Um, we we are in our very DNA is is being real. And if I would rather have people listening to you sample our cheese than run a radio spot or um, some phony bononi drive around and and just you know show up at things of say the football festival. That isn't who we are. I mean, eventually I think the, the people will find us because our taste is so good. But I also think that, um, we're, we're not the, we're not the bland American cheese slices. And I think bland American cheese slices take out ads and radio and TV and, and sort of pretend to be farmers. <laughs> mm. Well, I guess you guys, it is about personal connection. Yeah. It's about knowing the farmers and it's actually the farmers knowing the consumer. Exactly. It's like a circle. And, and I think that represents life and death. And you are real. You're authentic. We can't be everywhere when we take this personal approach to sampling. So you're helping us enormously with people that if they're listening to you, Kimberly, they've got to have a conscience and a soul. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. All right. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I you know, sure. And you know what the crazy thing is? 
um, you know, when I'm sharing stories and, and when you're, when you're down there and, you know, you're tearing up about your own stories and it opens the door for people to share their stories and it creates a relationship. And when I talk about how Cabot Cheese is supporting free end of life uh, education on this tour with me. And why would you not want to A, support an organization that is interested in that? And then B, it's a great product. And then you're you're also supporting local farmers and generations of farmers. It's like there's a it's a win-win for everyone. And I tell them, I'm like, if you're interested in knowing what cheese that I'm eating and will probably eat for the rest of my life because the impact not only is it good cheese, but the personal relationships that I've built with you and Cheryl, and I'm hoping when I drive through Vermont to the farmers, um, I know where my cheese comes from. And that to me as an American is, is really, really important. Good. <laughs> so tell me this, how can people learn more about what Cabot Cheese is doing in End of Life? Um, I know you guys have some things on your website. And I also want to know, you know, how do people you know, get involved with Cabot Cheese. I mean, I know you're a national product, you're in local grocery stores, but, you know, you guys are encouraging people to volunteer at their local hospice. Yep. Um, so tell me, tell me how people find Cabot Cheese and where they can get your product. We do have a find Cabot sort of, uh, it'll look by zip code, but there's not many stores in the country that don't carry us either in the deli or the dairy case. So they just have to remember how Cabot is spelled, which is C-A-B-O-T. Um, sometimes people try to spell it like rabbit or right. um, I, I can't tell you or Cabo. Um, <laughs> so awesome. we did a lot of, yeah. But but I think if you can't find it easily, just ask your dairy manager. But I, I have to warn you, you spoke about Seriously Sharp. It, our cheese is much sharper than they're going to most people are going to find, particularly in the Midwest, um, if you get to the Northeast, uh, where we eat more cheddar cheese than anyone in the country, you'll we'll be pretty much anywhere. If you're out crossing the desert, you might find us at a Walmart. Mm. Um, if you're in Florida, you'll find us in Publix. If you're um, in, you'll find us at Whole Foods in Denver and most of the different Whole Foods. You'll find us sometimes at Costco, but we're not we're not a a national national brand, meaning everybody has us everywhere. We're uh, an award winning cheddar company that most people ask, and then we get brought in. So I can't tell you everywhere, but but I know if you ask, they'll find it for you. So this is the thing, listeners. Um, Cabot Cheese has supported me in this live well, die well tour. And fortunately, they have awesome cheese. And this is a thing, if you do not have Cabot cheese in your area, ask for it. This cheese not only is good, it also has a mission behind it, supporting farmers, but also a really passion for improving how we talk, plan, and experience end of life. And they're, they, they, they put their money where their mouth is. And I have to say that. And that's what I love. And I look so forward to visiting uh, Vermont. And Roberta, I can't thank you for who you are, for hooking me up with my project manager at Cabot, Cheryl, who is an amazing human being. And uh, I just can't say enough about who she is. Uh-huh. 
She loves you too. Yeah, she's, uh, I, I just love her. And I cannot wait uh, to meet these local farmers so I can actually introduce some of these farmers to my followers and and forever allow Cabot Cheese to be a part of my life as well as other people in the United States. And I can't say enough and, and thank you. I I don't think thank you is enough. No, thank you. I hope people yeah, no. Don't don't worry. We're we're karma builders and you're um you're doing your you're doing the right thing. And I'm so glad you decided to leverage all your time and talent into just spreading the gospel. I, I, I hope that people hear you. I hope that lives are touched and changed. And um, I wish more for you than you could ever represent as thanks to us. Okay? Oh, wow. Thanks, Roberta. And it's, it's really great to chat with you. And thanks for joining us on Death by Design Podcast. Thanks for this time. Absolutely. All righty. Thanks for joining us today, and remember, you're the designer.